You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, well, I have a, uh, the great privilege and honor to introduce to you. We have a guest speaker with us this morning. And really, he's not a guest. He's actually a part of this family. And uh, it's uh, Jake Bullard. And uh, yeah, can I get, woo, somebody's excited. Jake, we got you somebody right here, man. Can I get another? Woo! There we go. This, this crowd's lively this morning. I love it. Well, Jake is an, an, an interesting guy. This, this guy is, uh, when I say that, I say that with all affection and genuine honor. Um, he just came out with a book called Dream, Dream Journal, Dreams 222, which is Daniel 222. And uh, he's got a ministry called Dreams 222. And uh, you should go check him out sometime. And uh, Jake and his wife, lovely wife Rachel, and their kids—they've been coming here. <laughs> they've been coming here since uh, May, and actually, they came back probably in February when we had a worship night and uh, right before the lockdown. And um, absolutely love this family. Love Jake. Jake has got a heart for people to have an encounter with God and to passionately go after the things that God lays on their heart. And so I just want you guys to welcome, and let's just stand up, and let's just welcome Jake as he comes up to the front. Come on, Jake. Woo! All right, y'all got to do that a little better. It's two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! Come on. That was fun. Thanks for uh, making me not cry. Um, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, there's a good chance that I might shed a few tears. It happens. It's real. Um, first off, I absolutely love this house. I love Pastor Chris and Terry so stinking much. They're, um, and Scott and Lacey. I know Scott and Lacey aren't here this morning, but what a family. I mean, look at this place. I mean, you, it's, it's so fun to be in a place that knows that Jesus is still on his throne that believes in the power of the resurrection that lives and resides in you and that you can be a conduit of that in your respective communities. And I, and I love what they've done here. And um, Pastor Chris and Terry, I just love you guys and honor y'all so much. And then um, my mom and dad are here. <clears throat> and so are my mother-in-law and father-in-law. So <laughs> they know my pain. <laughs> So um, just thank you guys so much. My mom and dad have never seen me speak. So this is, um, this is, this is going to be fun and interesting. Um, and then my father-in-law has to put up with me. So there you go. So, um, huh? Yes, that too. It, it works, right? So um, anyhow, I do have a word this morning. Um, and it's interesting because this gentleman has already been highlighted. And the Lord has actually already given me a a word for him in the past, and um, I don't know his name, but um, it's the gentleman we prayed for with the black sweater, John. Awesome. Um, he actually gave this to me, I think, at the Christmas dinner when we or luncheon that we had. Um, and I just want to let you know that you are a legacy builder. That your legacy, <clears throat> your legacy is going to be multiple generations. People four and five and six generations from now will be talking about you around campfires and around dinner tables, about how Papa John did this and how he did that, and the integrity that you carry and operate in, in ministry and in business. 
to stand for what's right because it's Jesus' platform. He is so well pleased with you, and he wants you to know that your legacy goes on. It's like an Abrahamic legacy that you have on your life. You are a leader. You're a mighty man of God. You, you, scare, the, you scare the hell into hell. Because of the character and the integrity and the times that you had where you could have compromised, you didn't. You stood firm in your faith with what the Lord was showing you. And this is your just season. This is your just reward. And your inheritance and what the Lord has for you in your inheritance uh, with your spiritual reward isn't just for you. It's for the generations that come behind you. Four and five and six generations from now are going to know you. Because your heart is pure, and the Lord loves your heart because you've been a man after his own heart. So, Father, I just thank you for John. I thank you for the man of integrity that he is, the character, the love, the peace, the incredible teacher that he is. Lord, thank you for the legacy that you're giving him to pass down to generations. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of legacy. You're a God of generations. And we just bless this mighty man and his family in Jesus' name. Amen. Whoo! All right, so a couple of ground rules. Number one, if I make a corny joke, you do have to laugh. Um, thank you. Perfect timing. Um, but also, I do like interaction. I'm going to walk around a little bit. Um, I am not a three points and a little cool story and get it out kind of a guy. I'm, Holy Spirit, what are you going to say? And then we're going to roll with it. Are y'all cool with that? Can I get an amen? amen. Awesome. Um, Pastor Chris is right. I love seeing people come into an encounter with love, and that's with a capital L, not the lowercase L. And that encounter of love is always an encounter with Jesus. Um, and if I was to title this message, if you will, or whatever Holy Spirit's going to release, it's an encounter with love. <clears throat> that's what this is about. Um, and my goal with this <clears throat> is to empower you, equip you, and encourage you to go out into your respected communities, to the mountains of society that, that God has called you to, to impact them for love, for Jesus. Is that fair, you guys? Good. Okay. So, um, how many of you guys like a good love story, like movie and stuff? Anybody? Chris, you better raise your hand. There you go. Yeah, come on. Right? How many of y'all love The Notebook? You should raise your hand. I mean, <laughs> oh, I love a good love story. That the notebook, I like it with my wife because she likes it. And it is a cool it is a cool uh movie. It does give some fringe benefits when she watches it, so well that, you know, we cuddle on the couch together, you know? We cuddle on the couch together, that's it. My parent or my parents are here, it's not going very far, don't worry, okay. But um, I also love uh, another type of love story, okay? I love the gladiator. That's what I'm talking about. I love, are you not entertained? I love another love story, Braveheart. Right? Thank you, Lord. I just had a whole scene from Braveheart go off in my head, and I can't repeat it. <laughs> bringing it back, bringing it back. There's another type of love story that I really like, and it's The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Okay? 
It's like nobody, y'all don't understand what I'm saying. It's a love story. All of these things, even with the notebook, the, the main characters, they performed and they did things that were outside of their normal grid to be able to do because they had an encounter with love. Every one of them. You know, <clears throat> in the notebook, you, you see the whole front end, but the thing that I really love is the back end. How that couple had grown old together. And because he had loved her through so much and never gave up on her, what they did and how they wrote their story and went on in life. And then in the gladiator, oh, man, you kill the love of his life and what happens? He goes after you. We're going to talk a little bit more about him and his identity. Then the patriot, you know, he's, he's on the verge of trying to, he's trying to be peaceful. He's trying to get along with a, a, a tyranny of a government, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Sounds real familiar. And he's doing what he feels like he should, both biblically but also as a citizen, until the love he had was taken from him and his son and was brutally murdered. And then he got riled up, and then we know what happens there, right? <clears throat> then in Braveheart, William Wallace, sons of Scotland, right? That's probably horrible if you're from Scotland. I apologize in advance, okay? But likewise, he hated tyranny, and he, he had a love that was taken from him. So what does he do? He goes out, and he performs. Why am I saying this? Because us as believers, we have a unique Position and perspective in life is because we have the love of all loves living inside of us. We have the king of kings living inside of us. And if you've said yes to Jesus, you have had an encounter with love. And because you've had that encounter with love, you are equipped and empowered to go out and impact that city that's 12 miles from here. And the surrounding regions. Because all of creation... All of creation is groaning. It eagerly awaits in expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Because creation knows and groans because you, as a child of God, have had an encounter with love. And it is literally groaning out for you to stand up and release that love so that the rest of the world can enjoy the creation that you are and watching you step up to the platform that God has placed for you to do. I love how the, uh, the Passion Translation states it. This is Romans 8.19 if you're taking some notes. I don't know that you're going to get many notes out. But it says the entire universe is standing on tiptoe. I love that. Yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. You know, we're in a unique, you know, a, a unique time. I think we can all agree of what's going on in our society and in the world. And many people will say that, hey, we've got a race problem. We've got a political problem. We've got an economic problem. We have a fill-in-the-blank problem. But I would like to have you consider what the real, all those are offsprings of the true problem. The true problem and the true challenge that our society has is they are orphans. Because they have never seen the love of the Father displayed in humanity the way he intended it. Does that make sense, you guys? 
you know, I know who my earthly father is, but I know who my heavenly father is too. I know how valuable I am to him and how valuable you are and everybody else in this world. Whether they vote like me, look like me, talk like me, or even go to this, like fill in the blank. I know that they are a child of God and that God li- literally died so they could have an encounter with him so that they could stop dying and start living. That's what creation, you want to know another way, like all this stuff that we've seen is creation groaning for us. And so I love what Pastor Chris has done and what Scott has done to give us a platform to be able to grow in our giftings, in the prophetic, in evangelism, in teaching and training and equipping the body. Because we're not meant to have those gifts to stay in the four walls. I love prophesying. I love hearing the heart of the Father for somebody and watching them have an encounter with love to confirm so much that's been on their heart that there's no way that I would know because I've never met the man before. But I know the man that created the man. I know the son of man. Does that make sense, you guys? And all of, the, all of creation is groaning for us to do this, okay? Um, You know, one of the things I love about, um, and I'm going to share a story here with you guys in a little bit. I keep getting shocked by this thing. It's like zapping my arm. That's why I keep down. Like, no, I'm not sweating. Not yet. I might. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend it's the Holy Ghost. Like, ah! Ah! You know, so if I come lay hands on you, you might get zapped. <laughs> um, but creation is crying out. Those that riot... For injustice, they have a reason to. I love what Martin Luther King did. I love the, the position he stood and how he did it because he read in the word about Exodus and he went forward with it. And his, I guarantee you his goal was for everyone to have an equal encounter with the Lord, with love. You know, and I want to encourage you guys. One of the things that I really, really want to, to hone in is that Father loves everybody. Everybody, no matter who they voted for back in November or in January or in an upcoming election or in elections past, he loves every one of them. I love seeing him move in people's lives through the prophetic. I love seeing the impact in those lives. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you want to move stronger in the prophetic, and I'm going to share some stories here in a little bit of this to give you guys some examples and context. But one of the things I want to encourage you to do is no matter who is in front of you when you're at the grocery store, at the gas station, in your high school, at your college, at your job, when you see them, can you see them through the lens of the Father's love? Can you see that political opponent who you adamantly dislike because their positions aren't your positions, can you see them through the love of the Father? Can you see them as a little child? It doesn't mean you have to agree with them, okay? I'm not going to name names and parties and all that stuff, but you don't have to agree with them to love them. But can you see them through the lens of the Father's love? And when you can start doing that and remove the fear of man, then you can have an impact that's a really loud impact. 
Are you going to be able to look at that agnostic or that atheist who adamantly denies the reality that we know of Jesus and his life and look at them? Can you see them through the lens of the Father's love? Because when you can, you can hear his heart for them. Because what prophecy is to me is just revealing to somebody else the heart of the Father and the plans and purposes he has in their life. The gifts of God, Romans tells us the gifts of God are irrevocable. Whether that's pre-Christian or Christian, you have gifts that come from heaven that are laid inside of you that, that all of creation is waiting to groan, is groaning for. And when you can combine that view and the prophetic and then you can go into this, this society and this world and be the light, let my light shine, Lord so that I can be a reflection of you, so they may see your goodness and be drawn to repentance. <laughs> there was a, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to share a story with you guys on this that uh, when the Lord did it, it really blew me away. This was uh, 2017. Um, I had recent, like recently, like in two weeks prior to this, started following Sean Bowles. That's when I found out who he was. Amazing man, prophetic. His books are off the chain, um, and 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 I learned a ton from him. Um, from um, what was it? Uh, God secrets to uh, knowing God. You know, knowing heaven's voice. Something like that. there's so much that he has out there. It's so good, but. One of the things he works in is, is words of knowledge. It's when you have information about someone that, of their past or present that you have no way of actually knowing, like a birth date, a wedding date. Uh, it could be an address. It could be a ton of things. You could be um, like she had a word of knowledge about somebody's ankle, and it turned out to be John back here. That was a word of knowledge. It's meant to impact that person to have an encounter with the Lord. Okay, And so this, this particular, uh, it was a Monday in May. Uh, I was working up in Kennesaw. I had gone to a, uh, a restaurant called The Nest. Anybody been to The Nest? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Great ribs. Pretty good brisket. It's really good. Really good. So I had gone there, and I had visited that place a lot. My office at the time was just down the street from it. <clears throat> and the waitress that was there was always waiting on me. I'd never asked her name prior to this day. I'd given her a nickname, though. Okay? And it was Staff. S-T-A-F-F. It was original, guys. Trust me. Okay, because she worked there, right? But she had a shirt that said staff on it. <sighs> Thank you, baby. <laughs> she had a shirt named staff, and that's how I nicknamed her. I never asked her her real name. <clears throat> and so on this particular day, the, the nest, if you haven't been there, it's like an old farmhouse kind of set up. So like the old keeping room is one room that you eat in, and then you have the old living room is another, and then the, you know, kind of that thing. And it's all segmented out, and you know, 15 or 20 people can get into there to eat. Well, on this particular day, I was in the, the first room on the right, if you've ever been in there. It was one of the old keeping rooms of that house. There was a couple that is, was kind of ahead of me in the eating process and stuff, and I was just enjoying my food, just having a good old day, just taking a break from work. <clears throat> and the waitress comes, staff, to take my, my um, thank you, that's better, guys, <laughs> to take my order, uh, my dessert order, uh, as she leaves the check for the people to sign to go out. All this is important. I know it's kind of boring, but it'll get there really quick, okay? So as she walks away, I literally, in my imagination, I see June 26, okay? 
I see, I literally see in my imagination June 26. Some people ask me, well, how do I know that that was, how do you know that that's God? Anybody want to know that answer? I'm going to, I'm going to reveal that to you right now, okay? <clears throat> Here's how I know it was God. I have Jesus. I have Holy Spirit. I've got Father all in me. And in 1 Corinthians uh, 2.6, it says, but we have the mind of Christ. Where does your imagination reside in, guys? Right here, in your mind. So if we have the mind of Christ, and your, your thoughts are on heavenly things, expanding the kingdom, all that kind of stuff, and then you have a random thought like that about a person or a number or something like that, um, and you think it's your imagination, I would like to present with you, maybe it's not your imagination. Maybe it's the imagination of Christ manifesting in you for you to step out in obedience and take a step of faith. <clears throat> so I did just being transparent. I was like, oh, Lord, is this you? Is this me? Is this you? Is this me? It was like ping pong. <laughs> right? That's the way it was. <clears throat> um, but I've always been one to where if I even felt an inkling that it was the Lord, I would rather try and miss it than to not do it and really miss it. So the waitress comes back, and I said, hey, I know this is weird, and I don't know you. I don't even know your name. But does June 26 mean anything to you? Man, all creation was on its tiptoes for that moment. And she says, yeah, it's my brother's birthday. And immediately I'm like, whoa. I start praying in the spirit. I'm like, Shandai Hyundai. Like, all right, Lord, I need more. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I was like, whoo, you know. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, like, what's up with him? How's he doing? What's going on? Like, where's he at? And all this other stuff. And I'm having that outward dialogue while I'm dialoguing with Holy Spirit. Like, please don't leave me. <laughs> Anybody else been there before? <laughs> Glad I'm not the only one. <clears throat> and she says, we don't know. We've not seen him in two and a half years. And my heart broke. And I could feel the Father's heartbreak. And I could feel Jesus's. And I could feel Holy Spirit's. And I'm like, oh my God, Lord, you cannot leave me now. I went from joking around with him to being like, hey, let's go. You told me to do this. You better show up. Sometimes I think he wants us to put a demand on him so that he does. Right? So she's like, my heart breaks. She's like, man, how did you know that? I said, well, I'm a Christian. I said, I, I, yeah, I'm practicing hearing the voice of the Lord. I said, I don't know why he brought that up. I said, but I want you to know that the things that concern you concern him because they do. The things that break your heart break his heart because they do. And he's not woken up without thinking about you or your brother ever since that happened. I said, are you a Christian? And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I'm trying to find a church, so on and so forth. And I'm like, well, all right, well, just take that encouragement. And as she walks out. She's wiping tears from her face because something dear to her heart was touched through a word of knowledge, right? She's, as she's walking out, she's like, man, this is crazy. My sister just walked in. So now that I've stepped out in obedience, I don't know about y'all, but I get a little, um, I'm, I'm kind of like Peter or Elijah or Paul. I'm like, oh, jump, bring her in here. You know, let's go. Let's slay a giant. Come on, somebody. Right? Anybody else like that? You step out in faith, you see God do like that little miraculous, you're like, big step. Let's go. <clears throat> I didn't say that to her, uh, but she goes and grabs her sister, 
And just to paint her picture, her sister, I'm 6'2", um, and way too much, um, but she was like 5'2", um, completely pale, gothic, dark hair, dark dress. She had on her left forearm, on the inside of it, just a uh, outlined tattoo that I couldn't see because her forearm never folded to me. And then up on her upper inner chest, she had like three triangles. That's, and that's it. That's just to paint that picture. I mean, she was gothic. Her sister comes in and says, hey, this guy doesn't know me, but he's in here all the time. I still don't know staff's name yet. <laughs> I just called out her brother's birthday. I'm like, hi, nice to meet you, right? And says, hey, this guy comes in here all the time. And he just looked up at me and said, does June 26 mean anything to you? And her little sister looks up at her and says, oh, my God, that's Mikey's birthday. And she's like, how do you know this? And, and so I do the same thing, the things that concern you. Same thing I told her sister. And then I said, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. And she did the whole head snapping thing, y'all. I'm like, right? It was crazy. And she's like, how did you know this? I said, well, I told you. Jesus lives in me. He knows everything about you. The things that concern you concern him. Things that break your heart break his heart. And she's like, maybe. I'm like, there's no maybe about it. I don't know you. I don't know your sister. And so we carry on. We start talking. Um, <clears throat> and then I get um, but about six or eight words of knowledge about intimate details about their mother who had passed away. Not only was it cancer, but it was breast cancer. Not only was it breast cancer, but it was stage four when they found it. Both of them started crying because I didn't know them. But I connected my heart to his, which was connected to theirs. And I was seeing that gothic agnostic through the lens of love. <clears throat> and they're both crying. I keep going, how do you know this? I said, I told you. She's like, yeah, maybe. I'm like, no, you can maybe me all day long, but it's saying maybe. <laughs> Like, I don't even know your sister's name. I can't Facebook check you, you know, none of that stuff. <clears throat> we get going, and, and as we're talking, one of the things the Lord does is um, she tells me that she's at Agnes Scott down here in Decatur studying music, and immediately, and that's all she tells me, and immediately I get this vision of her. Remember, short, teapot, gothic. Stand, and the vision I had because it's not my vision, it's his vision, because my imagination is his imagination. She's standing on a one-stage little, one-step platform, dressed in all white, radiating and glowing with the glory of the Lord. And she was filled with such joy and peace and happiness because she was doing what she was created to do. And so as I see this unfold, I'm having dialogue with Holy Spirit, as I'm having dialogue with her, I said, hey, I see this vision of you, and I describe it to her. And I said, and you're so happy, and you're filled with so much joy and peace because you were doing what you were created to do, because you were created. Your heart's desire is to teach music. And she literally goes, oh, my God, how do you know that? I said, I told you. Jesus. She's like, well, maybe. I'm like, come on. I'm like, I, you know, you, like, you may not believe your sister, but you got to know that I don't know you. But he does. And she's like, well, maybe. And then the Lord shows me something very interesting. And this is one of the things. It's the goodness of God that draws men into repentance, not the condemnation of men. It's the goodness of God that draws men into repentance, not the condemnation of men. And so the Lord shows me something really interesting right, right after that. In the spirit, okay, 
I see slashes down her arm that were scars. And my heart broke because the Lord showed me that some of those, yes, may have been self-inflicting. Now, that was all in the supernatural. It was not in the natural, okay? <clears throat> but the Lord told me that that's all the wounds from the church, from telling her she was going to die and go to hell. Because not only was she agnostic and in, in, in all that, she also chooses a different, to partner with a different sexuality than what is natural. But I didn't care about that because I saw a daughter of God that needed to be introduced to, a, to love himself. And so I saw that and I said, hey, listen, I know there's been some awful things said to you. Some ugly things. Things that nobody should. I want to let you know that was not of God and that was not from God. That was from an enemy meant to steal, kill, and destroy to keep you from walking in your God-given identity and walking into that calling of teaching and training in music. And, she, and I said, and I know all of those things... All that hurt, all that pain has left you jaded. No pun intended, Jada. <laughs> has left you jaded. And she starts tearing up. I said, that's your word, isn't it? You're jaded. And she goes, oh, my God. She literally falls under the power of the Holy Spirit in the middle of a restaurant. Catches herself. Sits down. If you've ever been in the nest, this was actually really beautiful. <clears throat> I'm sitting in the, um, against the wall, and it's an old church pew. Ain't God funny. <laughs> Took me back to my Baptist roots. <laughs> she sits down, and the Lord continues just to show me stuff. You know, and some stuff I don't release. Okay? You know, some stuff I'm, he's showing me to connect my heart to his heart so I can continue to go deeper into this, into this prophetic encounter for her. Because... You know, on earth, especially as a prophetic people, we're known by what we say. We're known by the words of knowledge, by the prophetic words, by the laying of hands and healing and declaring and all this other stuff, right? <clears throat> but in heaven, you're known by what you, what you don't say. How much of that person's heart that's the most vulnerable, fragile thing that they have, can he show you to connect you to his heart, to their heart, so you can lead them into an encounter? Some things are never meant to be said. Does that make sense, y'all? So she sits down, and she's literally going from, I don't believe in Jesus, to crying her eyes out. And there goes that shock again. <laughs> I said, her name was Emily. I did get her name. I said, Emily, I said, if this is not proof that Jesus has been chasing after you your whole life, I don't know what is. I said, I told you, he's the one that's showing me all this because he, can, he loves you and his heart is concerned about you. And she starts crying. I said, listen, Jesus wants to take all those seeds of sorrow, all those ashes that have been burned by the church and by others, the, the things that were said that were ugly. He wants to take all those seeds and he wants to plant them into him and he wants to grow them up and blossom. And when I said blossom, I literally had another vision, his vision, because remember, it's his imagination of this huge knockout rose bush. Y'all know what that is? It's like in that big V. And it was, it was eight foot tall, filled with dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of roses. Absolutely beautiful. The most magnificent rose bush I've ever seen. And I said, he wants to blossom you into the rose bush that he's created you to be because you, you need to be created that way. You need to know yourself, how he knows you and how he sees you. And she's literally bawling her eyes out. And she rolls over that forearm that I couldn't see. 
to show me a tattoo of a rose. Never saw it prior to that. I said, Emily, do you want to stop running? Do you want to ask Jesus into your heart so he can start taking those, all that pain and blossom you into that beautiful rose bush? And let me tell you what love did. Love came down. I'm horrible at singing. <laughs> Y'all are getting too serious. But love literally came down and rescued her. Because she ended up saying, yes, yes, I do. 45 minutes. Being able to preach apologetics is good for your knowledge. But when you incorporate the power of love through the power of Holy Spirit and step in obedience and step in faith and listen and say what you say, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, you can introduce this city to Jesus because this city has a cry for revival. Sherman may have burned her down, but God is rising her up to be the phoenix of the south so that the kingdom can come. Come on. Hell is terrified of you. Step up. Into the power that is inside of you. Because that power isn't meant for you to show off that I can do this and I can do that. That power is meant so that you can introduce somebody to love. So that you can reach into hell and say, hell no, heaven yes, and pull them into it. You can't do it though without the lens of love. Sorry I get fired up, y'all. We have a good father. Not only is he good, but he's great. It's funny because on the way to church this morning, I drove separately just so my mind was right. Casting Crowns was playing. Good father. The world needs to know that he's a good father, not an angry God. <clears throat> Follow the way of love. Follow the way of love, lens of love, and eagerly desire the gifts of this spirit, especially prophecy. Here's an interesting thing. Verse 5, that's 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 5 goes on to say, the one that prophesies is greater than the one that speaks in tongues. You know, and I'm a huge proponent of your prayer language. Do it as much and as often as you can. It really connects you to the Spirit <clears throat> and everything that he's wanting to do. <clears throat> interesting thing, I asked the Lord, you know, here's side note. On that whole encounter, that 45 minutes, not one person in the middle of lunchtime even peeked their head in to see if there was a seat available. And there was at least 17 other seats because I was the only one in there. Not one of them. And I'm talking like when you walk in the front door, it's right there where Chris is at. Staff went and waited on about a half a dozen other people. Not even one of them came in to look like that. So I asked the Lord about this later. I'm like, Lord, that was pretty cool. I recognize you did that. How'd you do that? He showed me two angels blocking the door because his daughter needed an encounter with love. <clears throat> One of the other things <clears throat> I want to encourage you with is to operate out of your identity, not your position, especially in the prophetic. Because this means absolutely nothing if this is what you're chasing. I'm a son of the most high. 
my daddy stands right behind me. Whoa, shh. Oh, Jesus. Mm. I don't know if y'all felt that, but the Lion of Judah just showed up. But I'm a child first. I'm a son first. And I've got orphan brothers and sisters that need to know Jesus. Some of them are in this room. And I love you. Chris and Terry love you. Scott and Lacey love you. Some of you, it's been a minute since you've had an encounter with love. I want to encourage you, today's your day. Today is your day. He's a good father. And he wants you to know that. You know, I'm not a prophet first. I'm not even a Christian first. I'm not a husband or a father first. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. Every one of you are too. Every one of you are too. This went a little bit quicker than I thought. But your identity as a son, as a child, as a daughter is far more important than your prophetic identity, your employment identity, your business identity. Some of you guys are called to leave legacies in business and never have this mic. But you're known in heaven for what you don't say. You're known in heaven for what you do. You're known in heaven for what he entrusts you with. The angels look down and say, hey, there's the one that carries the heart like the father. There is the fill in the blank with whatever your heavenly identity is. One of the things I love about the prophetic too, Dan McCollum taught me this. Scripture tells us our last name. In the spirit, you know, I'm a conqueror, right? Anybody a conqueror in here? Right? I am whatever scripture says, right? I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. All that is your last name. But what prophecy reveals to you is your first name. Your spiritual first name of who you are. You're an apostle. You're a teacher. You're meant to equip this city and this nation and this region to burn with the all-consuming fire of Jesus, to change this world. Because what starts in Atlanta goes throughout the region. What starts in the region goes throughout the world. The corporations that thought they were moving here for a tax bracket decrease are moving here and have moved because they're waiting on an encounter with the kingdom of heaven through you guys because the apostolic heart that y'all carry, the ability to equip and to build and to push forward the kingdom of heaven because love is your heart. All of this wouldn't be possible if heaven didn't go bankrupt. All of it. Every one of you, I don't care where you're at, if you're a pre-Christian or a Christian for 65 years or more, heaven went bankrupt for you. You determine something's value based upon what somebody is willing to pay for it. You know, I'm, I could, you don't go and buy a Ford Pinto, some of you guys don't even know what that is, for $100,000 because it's not worth it. <clears throat> but you might buy a McLaren for a quarter million or a half million because it is. But regardless, the value is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay for it. Heaven took its most valuable 
asset and sent it here to shed his blood on a cross, to go down to hell and rip the keys of the kingdom back to give it to us so that we could establish the kingdom here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus died so that you could have relationship with him, so that you could have relationship with the Father, so that you could have an encounter with love like Emily. So I want to encourage you today. <clears throat> maybe, you've been a, maybe it's been a long time since you've had that encounter with love. Maybe you've never had that encounter. You've just maybe even been doing just the church thing your whole life. I want to invite you today to make the day that you have an encounter with love. Even if you had one yesterday, let's have a better one today. Let's step into it because he loves you. Stephen, can you hit the keys? Can you guys stand real quick? Jesus, you are so amazing. Father, thank you for the love coming down. Thank you that you went bankrupt for us so that we could know you, so that we could know your love, so that we could hear your voice. Lord, for everyone here that needs a fresh encounter with love, invade their space. Holy Spirit, fill this room from the front to the back, from the left to the right, from the floor to the ceiling with the vastness of your love. Lord, pull on their hearts to see through the lens of your love, to impact Atlanta, to impact Georgia, to impact the business mountain, the family mountain, the governmental mountain, the teaching mountain, arts and entertainment, to impact the church with your beauty, Jesus. Lord, for those that have never stepped out, Lord, pull on their hearts. Those that need a fresh encounter, whether it's for the hundred thousandth time or for the first time, Holy Spirit, I ask you, draw them in. Draw them in. Draw them in in Jesus' name. Draw them in, Lord. God, thank you so much for your grace. Guys, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask a question. I want to ask you to be bold. I want you to take a step forward. If you have never had an encounter with the one true love, but want to, you've never had an encounter with Jesus or with the Father's heart, but you know it's real. Maybe your, your stomach's turning a little bit. That's him wooing you. If you want to, if you want to make today today that you have an encounter with love, just real quick, slip your hand up where I can see it. You can put it back down. If you want to have that encounter with love, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Second question, if you need a fresh encounter with love. You've already asked Jesus in, but it's been a rough year. It's been a rough year with a lot of us. But you need that encounter with love. Slip your hand up real quick. Yeah. Jake was talking about orphan, orphans in the world. And, you know, many of us have not even realized that um, many of us carry an orphan mentality in our lives because of a lack of love. And so I want to do something really different. <laughs> and I'm going to put some people on the spot, and I hope you don't get mad at me. But I really feel like this is really important um, that we do do this for people who just feel like, hey, you know, I really haven't felt the blessing of the Lord in a long time. I haven't felt the love of God in a long time. So I'm going to call some dads up here <laughs> to give some hugs. Are you guys okay with that? We're going to go ahead and uh, we're just going to call, call you guys up. You want to finish this off? Okay. Guys, if you need that encounter with love, if you want to feel, this is a prophetic act. If you need that, I want to invite you down to one of these fathers that are here. As they, as they represent our Heavenly Father to embrace you and to hug you and to love on you and to give you a Father's blessing. And if you've never stepped into that, you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to ask you to be bold and come down and tell one of these fathers down here, whether you raised your hand before or not, so that they can introduce you and place you in Papa's lap so that you can feel the fragrance or smell the fragrance of his beard, feel the warmth of his embrace, hear his heartbeat as he tells you, I love you. You're my son, you're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. So if that's you, either one of those things, you need an encounter with love, a father's blessing. If you wanna ask Jesus into your heart so that you can be blossoming into that beautiful rose that he's called you to be, I want you to invite you up, step out and come.